Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 146. Happy New Year! And is it the same marketing we're talking about? In this episode, we chat about how to best plan for the year ahead in terms of your marketing. We dive into HubSpot's super useful auto-rotation functionality for contacts, companies, deals, and tickets, plus how Google does SEO for their own sites. You're listening to HubShots, Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot's tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot's CEO, Brian Halligan, does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name's Ian Jacob from Search and We Found and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, really well and so thankful to be in a nice, cool office. I've got to tell you outside, when we were walking, for our American listeners, it is extreme heat here Correct. in Sydney at the moment. So I wonder what that is in uh, Fahrenheit, right? Yeah. So it, it would be rather hot. It is super hot. I've, I reckon oh, my shoes... 104. There you go. My shoes were melting, I reckon, as we were walking across that car park. Crazy. But, yeah, that's always this time of year, isn't it? Back that's from right. the break, back from Christmas. No white Christmas in Australia. Now, talking about breaks and Christmas, Craig, uh, inbound thought of the week is to do with an annual marketing review. And you have been doing annual marketing reviews and you've actually structured this nicely i have to say so well done and what have you been doing yeah so look for listeners in general we always recommend especially in australia where the christmas break and new year is like a couple of weeks off and i know in other countries only have a few days but in australia it's a really big holiday kind of period and there's school holidays etc so when we come back we're kind of talking with our clients this is a, a review we do with our clients every kind of start of the year we're just trying to get into their heads because they'll have come back from a break, all refreshed, lots of you know ideas bouncing around. We chat to them about, well, what are they thinking for the year ahead? And so what we've got a link here is kind of our approach to an annual marketing review. It includes a bit of a document that we go through all the steps. And what we're really trying to do as a team, we're working with our clients, is we're trying to get stuff out of their head about what they've got in terms of marketing plans, campaigns, business goals, even channels that they want to change. It's funny how many come back from a holiday and they're like, oh, I've got this great idea about marketing. What we want to do is get that down on paper, as it were, so that everyone's in sync. So it's really just a great process for getting ideas out of people's heads and into a common place. They can kind of think about, yeah, we break it into quarters as well. You know, what are are the campaigns they're going to do in the first quarter? Let's think about that. And what's interesting that we find about this process is the amount of stuff that comes out. We're like, we're doing one this uh, week with a client. And they're saying, oh, yeah, and uh, oh, yeah, and then second quarter, yeah, that's that's that whole campaign we're going to do around our events. And we're like, oh, what's this events you're talking about? <laughs> this is the first we've heard about events. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't tell you. We've got this strategy around events. Yeah. We're like, oh, great. That's exactly what the annual marketing review is for. So for listeners, I mean, you can have a look and we've uh, you can have a look at the one that we use and you can tailor it to your own devices. But it's a really good way just to keep everyone on the same page. It can be high level. It doesn't have to be nitty gritty. It's just getting the ideas out there and this is the perfect time of year to do it. And this is great because you could actually use this at your six-monthly review and actually figure out have you actually stayed the course or you've actually veered off. So I think it's a really good thing that you've done, Craig, and I'd encourage people to actually have a look at it. And there's a video there of you explaining why you're doing it or what the reason is. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to go have a look at it and use it. All right, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And we've swapped shot two and shot three here 
as we're starting with the sales feature, as this will flow on to shot number three. And it's about automated lead rotation. Now, it's good to remember you had a chat with Nick this week and talking about the power of using lead rotation in a franchise. Now, you probably go, hang on, what, franchise? But what was happening, like you described, like leads were coming in, they waited for somebody in administration to look at it, then they called it up, then they decided to send it to whichever the appropriate salesperson was, and that might be the end of the day. That's like four or five hours gone, right? So why do we use automated lead rotation is because when it comes in based on rules, you can actually send it to the right person immediately and get them to action it. So why is this important? Because it's A, saves time, somebody doing the call and then going to figure out what's going on. But it actually is a systemized process of delivering it, but also means that the person can get back to the person who made the inquiry pretty much immediately. And we know speed to respond is a lot of the battle when it comes to people inquiring. Like it's like the first man to inquire or get back to the inquiry usually wins the job, right? I think that's the key. Yeah, I totally agree. And when um, Nick was, oh, by the way, shout out to Nick Zenny yes. uh, from um, Hobsford. He looks after us. How are you going, Nick? See, he had a white Christmas. Just, he did. He, he went, went, back, went to back to the US. States. Yeah, so anyway, I hope you're enjoying the Sydney heat, Nick. Anyway, um, but yeah, so this is the compelling thing. So, okay, you can get rid of all that need for a person in front desk, you know, doing all that coordinator admin work. That's not the big compelling feature. I mean, no. that's good to get rid of that and automate it. It's that time that you're talking about. That's right. Time to response. Lead response time. Lead response time. All right. Now, on to shot three, Craig, which is the HubSpot Sales Pro gotcha of the week. And this is because I was trying to do this exact thing we were talking about. And I was trying to do it to a sales team that all don't work every day of the week. And they're actually off on different days of the week. So because the business is essentially a seven day a week business. So some people will do the weekends and are off, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Other people are working through the week and then off on Friday, Saturday. So it changes. And then I thought, I could I could make this happen for you guys. And then I realized, hmm. I actually can't do this because I can't select based on timings or availability who to send the lead to. So in the system, you can obviously send the lead to a team or you can send it to certain individuals. Now, if it was a particular day and didn't want to send it to an individual who wasn't there, you can't do that. And that's why we've called it the gotcha of the week. Yeah, look, I think this is just an interim hassle because they just need an availability calendar for each person. And keep in mind, you can do this with chat response. Yes. You can say, oh, here's my availability to pick up chats. I think they'll just extend that to here's my availability to pick up leads or any kind of rotation, actually. Correct. And if you actually want to learn more about the lead rotation, we've actually done a previous episode where we talk about this in depth because I've one thing I thought was true turned out not to be true in terms of how it rotates and how it balances lead rotation out right. within the system. So okay. I'd encourage you guys to have a go back. I think it's about five or six episodes back and actually have a listen to yeah, that. Yeah, I know we did a big part on it. Um, you know what? I kind of think we know when it comes to the marketing side, we always talked about lead flows. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I mean pop-up, pop-up. forms. 
uh, pop-ups. We always talked about how they were just, the, that's the best feature. Correct. We just loved lead flows or pop-ups as they are now. Um, I think this lead rotation is one of those killer sales features. And, Absolutely. And it's only in sales pro though. Sales pro, it? Yeah, you're in sales. Yeah, of course they charge extra for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can't win them all. But yeah, it's one of those features that's really compelling and it's a differentiator. Absolutely. Moving on to this automated, I guess, rotation topic, and we're going to talk about the marketing feature that we, Craig, and this is the rotation options that have also been added to deals, tickets, and company workflows. Yeah, and keep in mind, when we're talking about rotation, you're normally talking about who's the owner for something. So who's the owner of a contact? Who's the owner of a deal? Who's the owner of a ticket? So remember about six months ago, uh, HubSpot started changing their things to contact owner, deal owner, et cetera, rather than HubSpot owner. So this is all playing out now. And so what they've added in workflows, we've got a screenshot here just of how you can do it in a deal. Any of the types of workflows that we've got now, so for a deal, you can say when the deal's created, who that is assigned to as the deal owner. And yeah, you can assign it to a team or you can choose to get it to rotate between a selection of people. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing starter slash free tip of the week, Craig. And this is a discussion we were having because I've actually, I actually installed marketing free and, and CRM onto a prospective customer and I actually went today to have a conversation and he goes, oh, I can never figure out like how many leads are from uh, paid ads and how many are organic because he did some SEO he, a while back. He he regularly runs ads. Mm. And I said, well, okay, well, let's go have a look. I'll tell you exactly down to the contact where the origination point of that was. And then he was like, oh, that's interesting. And I said, well, I could now tell you how, whether they were good. I said, so let's just pick a few. So we went through the last couple and I said, any of these become jobs? So he goes, oh, yeah, I remember that one. That was like a, you know, a $1,500 job. I said, okay, cool. I'm going to create a deal against that contact record. And then if you could go through the rest, let's say for the, for the last month, and then put it in, I said, I'll be able to tell you, is your paid advertising actually generating a higher invoice price or invoice value versus leads of other sources? And why we're talking about this is because you might not always be using the system in the business on a day-to-day basis, but this is some information you could possibly import at the end of the month and do some sort of reconciliation to figure out what's working and what's not. I think this is such a great idea and it's so obvious in hindsight, but here is the use case this is for. This is for people that don't have the full HubSpot running their business. Uh, They've got some other system, legacy system, let's say, that they're using, CRM tailored to them. But you put HubSpot starter or HubSpot free on there because maybe you're going to show pop-ups. And it does this tracking. It's the source tracking. And what you're saying is quite right. So before they were adding the deals, all you could give them was, oh, the leads came from here. But now just by doing that bit of extra work, uh, you're showing, oh, here's where actually your deals came from. So it's worth the extra effort, depending on how many deals. I mean, if they've got tiny $1 deals, thousands of them, sure. But if they've got a few a day with big uh, ticket prices, that's then right. totally is. worth it. Yeah. That's great insight and intel to have for running your business. Correct. Thanks, HubSpot Starter. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Crane. And we're going to highlight this because this is about a particular hosting company injecting stuff onto your website. Yeah, are you not going to name them? <laughs> oh, you can name them. Mate, I'm going to name and shame these. This is GoDaddy, right? 
And I'm sure other hosts do it. Here's the tip. Check what your hosting company is doing when yes. they're hosting a website for you. Because, And we've got a link here in the show notes to uh, a whole basic expose of what GoDaddy are doing. Any site hosted with them, by default, they inject their own script into the website. Now, Craig, for those people listening and have no idea what a script is, right? let's talk about this. So this is a bit of code that would run. So... Like most people be familiar with Google Analytics or Google Ads, scripts run to actually track stuff. So essentially what GoDaddy has got another script that is tracking other things. And I don't know what that is. But all of these scripts are actually adding to the load time, which is also playing a big part in, you know, what should I say, in SEO, in, you know, well, user experience. And user experience, right? There's no one likes a slow site. So you're exactly right. In this case, the reason this person investigated was because their site was going slow. And they're like, what's going on? I've got a really lean site. And, of course, GoDaddy was inserting this script. And it was slowing down their site. And they're like, well, I never wanted this script in. Now, just to be clear, and, of course, if this is if I'm talking marketing jargon to you, just ignore this. You don't need to know this. But for people that know, if GoDaddy are looking at their own server logs and analyzing that, it's totally fine. Of course they do that. And we mm. use WP Engine for, you know, and I'm sure they're doing that because they're load balancing and all this kind of stuff. But when they actually inject stuff into your own script that adds tracking stuff that is actually slowing down the site, I can't believe that, you know, hosting you know company would like, that. Craig? It's, it's like, like you've malware. Got, That's what it's you like. Know what? It's, it's like you've got your car and someone decided to leave their very heavy suitcase in your boot all the time. Their tracking suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just left this huge bag with my tracking script. Yeah. Anyway, that's the marketing tip of the week. So I guess the takeaway or the action item from this is for GoDaddy, there's a way to opt out. It's quite hidden, but this link shows you how to opt out of it. If you're hosted by HubSpot, you won't have any of these issues. They do all the hosting and the CMS and everything is with them. Uh, for sites like WP Engine, I know they're very clean about it. And also they can, they have an option to add analytics on your behalf, but it's yes. opt-in. It's not an opt-out thing. I think this is the thing. This always comes back to what we talk about with hosting, right? Correct. People want to pay nine buck hosting a month. That's right. And they, you know, this is what happens. That's exactly right. So, And I think, and here's an additional thing I would actually say, is use this period whenever you listen to this, actually go and, if you're using Google Tag Manager, go and actually see what tags are running on your site because there are things that people run and they say, oh, example, Hotjar, right? Yeah. You might run Hotjar for a period of time to collect data to make improvements to your site. But a lot of people just leave the tag on That's there. That's right. And it's just running There's in the background, from years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go and clean it up. Use this time as a way. That's a great tip. To I should put that in my clean annual marketing house. review. <laughs> yes, you need to clean the house. But you know that reminds me because do you do this at the? I'm changing the subject. Sorry, just on the fly. But do you at the start of the year just go through your inbox and go unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe? Yes. It's just such a great liberating <laughs> feeling, isn't it? Well, we need to do that with all the scripts and tags on our site. Correct. So there you go. Now, onto the Google SEO. Yeah. I want to highlight this because this is a part of this whole thing, right? Mm. There's an article which Google has put out and they had an SEO problem of their own and they actually wrote about how they went about approaching it and changing it. So I think it's really good and I'd encourage people to actually look at it because this gives you insight. It's like everybody does SEO, but Google never talk about doing SEO, right? And so I think this is really good because we're all in the same boat. Google have 7,000 plus websites that they look after. And 
I'm sure they've got people like us and other people listening to this podcast that are trying to be found and they're working it out themselves because no one tells you what's going on. Yeah, well, a few comments on that because I know people will say, oh, Google, of course they just buy us and everything, any of their own sites will rank number one for stuff. And look, I'm not going to... not the case. And, well, I'm not going to say that's not the case. I'm going to say I'm pretty sure they favour their own sites when it turns into a lot of money. But when it comes to all of these other... They don't do it all 7,000 sites. And so put aside your, you know, conspiracy theories there about Google favouring themselves because I think they do, right? But in a lot of their sites, they don't. And so uh, when they've got thousands of sites, they've got teams <clears> of their own trying to optimise for Google rankings. And so... This is what they do learn. They've actually learned some of this stuff their own the hard way. This is the other thing about Google algorithm. Everyone goes, oh, what's, what are the ranking factors? How do we rank? And it's like, well, it's pretty closely guarded secret. The actual search team have, you know, hundreds or thousands of factors that they use, but it's very closely guarded. No one knows. It's not like company-wide. There's, there's a no memo. public announcement, right? Oh, okay. Company-wide <laughs> uh, memo to all staff. Here's how you rank. Like, it's pretty, they have to guard that themselves. And so their own teams are working out how to rank in their own search engine. So we can learn from that. That's one half. The other half I want to say, though, is anything that Google tells you, you've got to, you've got to treat with a little bit of skepticism. So here's a typical example. Ah, oh, just write great content, good high quality content, and you'll rank. Now, you and I both know that's not the case. No. <laughs> you do need good content to rank, but you need a lot more as well. Okay. So it needs to be technically optimized. You need links. And Google doesn't like talking about links mm-hmm. as well. So good information in these articles. Just be aware it's, you know, it's never the full story. Okay, now on to our insight of the week, Craig. And we're talking about search engine optimization and conversion rate optimization and something that Moz has highlighted. So they've done some tests or they've, they've, I guess they've, they've done a test and they've really measured it and said, well, okay, we've tried to make this conversion rate better. And then in the process of making conversion rate, lost some of that SEO. And then what does that mean in real dollar terms? I think that's really the key here is like, what does this mean to the bottom line of the Mm. business? I think people talk about all these great results. I think I was listening to marketing school. I think uh, Eric said he was, um, he optimized for something, something when he he was first started out and he got to number one and then he realized he couldn't make any money out of it. And then it was all like futile. So I think this is a really key factor when you're looking at these different mm. items. Can I just unpack that a little bit? So I'll just explain the problem yeah. that, that people have. They're like, I want to rank number one in Google. Well, of course you do. We all do. Then they say, oh, but I want my site to convert really well. So really high conversion rates. And well, yeah, of course you do. We all do. The problem is that often you can't have both. So you choose one or the other. And... Instead of that just being an opinion of someone, this article that we're linking to is they've actually tested it and they've done changes specifically for SEO and they've found that their conversion rate drops. And then they've done the flip side. They've really optimized a page for conversions and they've found, oh, it's dropped organically. So this article is not telling you, oh, here's how to get both. It's actually telling you you've got to choose one or the other in many cases and some of the considerations for doing it. So a good example might be start of the, or top of the funnel. Oh, the funnel's dead, by the way. But anyway, if it was still alive, top of the funnel might be, well, we do want to get leads there, but we've got to get the, the site ranking for awareness, let's say, around our brand. But then, oh, we've got pages, certain pages, which we know they're not going to rank as well. 
but they will convert. So the ranking pages are going to have to push to the converting pages, things like that. So it's all about strategy. But these articles are really good just for understanding, I guess, the, I guess the, the conflict between the two. It's very Google heavy, Craig. On to the retirement of the week. And now Google Plus support is actually getting removed from the social tool in 2019. Let's say January 2019. And that's because of all the changes that have actually happened within Google Plus. So be on the lookout for that as that retires. And I tell you what, I'm so disappointed this <laughs> this is getting pulled, said no one ever. <laughs> this is one of those retirements that... Uh, no one actually remembers or cares about. Are you using Google Plus, Ian? <laughs> no. <laughs> the reason behind it is Google's pulling the connector between. Yeah, yeah. It's not as though HubSpot said, oh, we'll get rid of it because we don't think it's useful. Although that would have been a valid decision. <laughs> it's because Google's pulling the plug on it anyway. They couldn't keep it if they wanted to. All right. Now we've got a great, uh, the resource of the week is a great interview from uh, with Seth, who quite likely now i'm really coming around to seth godin i gotta tell you because because you're reading this is marketing i am reading this is marketing i think it's excellent i really like his approach as you know you would recall i've kind of been hot and cold on seth yes. like some of the stuff he does i love and then others i'm like well it's a great sound bite but it's not good you know that's that's not gonna it's not actionable for me this is and his book, This Is Marketing, I think it's fantastic. I haven't finished it. I have to I have to admit, I'm just working my way through it. I think it's really good. I'll tell you why I think it's good. It's because he's looking at marketing as being a benefit to people. He talks about you can change people with marketing as yes. opposed to you can manipulate. Yeah. And I've always been big on that. And I, that's a conflict I've had like, oh, marketing, I only want to do good marketing where yes. it's providing value. So, yeah. I totally agree. And I think one of the things that... I'm actually listening to the book. And one thing that stands out is that it's from his time of learning and testing and being authentic about what he's doing. And it's all about making it better, right? It's doing doing the right thing. You, you know, when we talk about marketers, they're often doing the wrong thing. On- it's, it's about doing the right thing, but it's also doing about the right thing in a bigger perspective. Exactly. Doing the right thing for the world. I know that's a bit... Talk, you know, it's a bit cliche, it sounds cheesy, but that is what he's after. And I want to be just a little micro part of that. Yeah. So this week's quote of the week, Craig, is from Seth. And it's one of the posts that he had called the Spider-Man Paradox, which is recent. Do you want to read that or shall I read it? Um, no, you can read it. Yeah, but the the, the Spider-Man reference being that um, when, you know, his uncle talks to Peter Parker and says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So yes. here's Seth's take on that. It's backfiring because so many walk away from their great power. They walk away because they don't want the responsibility. We have the power to vote, but you decide to stay home and whine. The power to publish, but click instead. The power to lead, but follow meekly. The power to innovate, but ask for rules of thumb instead. The power to lend a hand, but walk away. I love it. I do like that one. All right, and we've got a few bonus links of the week, Craig. One being about? Oh, look, I just, there was the New York Times talking about, you know, the internet is fake. Do you remember? This was back in December. Yes. So we're, we're recording this in mid-January and probably be late-ish January by the time you're hearing this. But, yeah, this was a great article talking about how the internet is fake. Just looking at fake likes, fake, well, fake people. 60% of internet traffic, they estimate, is just bots and fake stuff going on. 
I think it's interesting commentary and I guess the takeaway, I don't know if there's huge takeaways from this other than what is filtering through is, and to use the word before, authentic, you know, real people, you know, that all this fake stuff going on, it's becoming the norm and so you can be the exception. Yeah. All right. We'd love if you could share this podcast with one of your friends or family, whoever loves to listen to us. And we'd love if you'd leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts as it will greatly help us reach and influence people. Yeah, now I'm just going to say, we took a few videos while we were recording this. So we'll put this, where will we put them on Insta? Instagram. You'll see a few videos of us as we're recording, talking. You'll get to see Ian's awesome beard that grew (laughs) over the the Christmas break. Hey, how's that going in the the heat? Yes, I have to say, Craig, it's it's got a very, well, you could say I've got the opposite effect going on, haven't I? Well, listeners, until next time, I hope you enjoy this episode and we look forward to joining you next time. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.